The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks so much for joining us on Winning Ponies. I am John Engelhart, and uh, with us tonight, uh, two excellent guests. Uh, the first guest will be Anna Ford. From New Vocations, she's the program director of the Thoroughbred uh, Section and Adoption Office of New Vocations, and Anna's going to kind of let us know some of the uh, the efforts that are going on with New Vocations and finding second careers for the thoroughbreds we love so much. And then I think I hit a home run as far as handicappers are concerned. I was able to get Michael Baychak. You may recall that last year. He was crowned Handicapper of the Year by the NTRA and the Daily Racing Form. He actually got to go to the Eclipse Awards Banquet and speak there. Uh, he's also uh, a pretty good uh, humanitarian. He's got a great story going on that uh, I'm going to let him tell you. And uh, the races that uh, I'll be breaking down uh, with, with Michael, some good races this weekend. It was hard to kick some of them out, but I thought I'd go with a pair. And that is Oaks and Derby, way down yonder in New Orleans at the fairgrounds. Uh, we've got the fairgrounds Oaks, unlimited budget. Can she go four for four? She sure did like the fairgrounds in the Rachel Alexandra. But she's going to have some competition there with a second-place finisher in that race. And a Bill Mott trainee, a Philly nominated the Triple Crown by the name of Flashy Gray. Then I'm really interested in hearing Michael's selections in the uh, Louisiana Derby. <clears throat> this is going to be a good betting race. Uh, this race has drawn Revolutionary, who was just so awesome in the Wither Stakes, but also in there was Code West, who just missed in the Risen Star. And then uh, Title Town 5, another one of the hot D. Wayne Lucas trainees this year, who's owned in part by Hall of Famer Paul Horning. Now we're going to do another Oaks Derby double, and we're going to go to the Gulfstream Oaks. This one may well be a rematch of the Devana Dale, as we have Live Lively and Dreaming of Julia, the one-two finishers in there. Uh, nice uh, potential horse with a lot of upside. Cue the Moon, who's only made two lifetime starts, just missed by a neck in the Tempted grade three in her second lifetime start. And then it's the Besselou Stables Florida Derby, a million-dollar race with last year's champion Shanghai Bobby looking for redemption out of the Holy Bull. And then you've got the very impressive Orb, who uh, 
won the Fountain of Youth at Gulfstream. He's two for two down there, Suge McGay trainee, and has already won at the distance. And then you've got It's My Lucky Day, who's two for two at Gulfstream, and is coming out of not only the Gulfstream Park Derby, but the Holy Bull. It'd be very interesting to see uh, who uh, Michael Baychock likes in these races. So uh, stay tied on. And remember, all these shows are on podcast. So if some of your friends uh, are missing them because they're watching one of the basketball games uh, today, tell them to tune back in because we're bringing you some of the best handicappers. Now, uh, most of our listeners enjoy uh, playing in the handicapping contest. And it looks like the... uh, Daily Racing Forum NTRA National Handicapping Championship is going to be moved back to Treasure Island. I'm sure that uh, M- Michael Baychock will be happy to hear that. That's where he won his last one. And it's also uh, going to be uh, stretched out. Uh, they announced just hours ago that the format has been changed for the uh, annual event. Uh, that gives out uh, $1.5 million guaranteed. Uh, added to it, it's called Final 50 and Final Table Segments uh, that are going to highlight the third day of the competition there. So um, it looks like there's going to be uh, some changes, and uh, you can go to the NTRA site, but uh, uh, in, in the first, uh, again, expanding to three days, a Final 50 and Final Table uh, players reaching the final 50 will each be guaranteed prize money, and then they'll compete for a seat at the final table that will feature a five-race competition. And the individual that advances to the final table accumulated the highest individual bankroll from his or her 45 mythical win-and-place wagers placed over the three days will get an estimated $750,000. So, again, if you want to read about the, the changes and – uh, kind of how it's been tweaked as far as the uh, final 50 and the final table, uh, you can go to the NTRA uh, website and get the details on that. Well, it looks like it's still going to be a little while before we see Ramon Dominguez in the saddle. Uh, after an appointment with his neurosurgeon, uh, they said he's very pleased with the progress that, uh, that he's made, but Demo- uh, Ramon says he is not completely healed and he's going to need to continue with his therapy. He feels good physically and mentally. He says, my injury was serious, and I need to take more time to allow myself to fully recover. Uh, We're looking forward to getting Ramon back, but, you know, better to err on the side of safety. It'll be great when he's back in the saddle. Well, not in the saddle tomorrow, but on a pitching rubber will be none other than Garrett Gomez. That's right. The two-time Eclipse Award-winning jockey has been selected to throw out the first pitch Friday night at Dodger Stadium as the uh, Dodgers are going to host their crosstown rival, the L.A. Angels of Anaheim. You know, uh, Gomez, America's leading jockey by money won over four consecutive years from 06 to 09. He won back-to-back Eclipse Awards in 2007 and 2008. He's won 13 Breeders' Cup races. It's just kind of great that uh, the national pastime is is recognizing the uh, the sport of kings, and I hope uh, Garrett's been practicing with his throwing arm. All right, uh, for the horse players out there, you might want to know the TVG starting on April Fool's Day, but it's no joke, is going to offer free wagering and video streaming. What they're going to do is it's going to replace uh, their old format, 
and customers will now receive 10 hours of free video streaming per month uh, with the opportunity to earn ongoing free services based on their activity, but there will no longer be a, a surcharge on your bet. So that, that's big news. Free wagering and video streaming starting April 1st. Again, that's through TVG. Well, uh, we told you last week you only had until uh, midnight on Saturday to save yourself some money, and uh, several horses have to get into the Kentucky Derby. Thirteen horses put in late nominations. Uh, leading it is Black Onyx, who we'll tell you in the list a little bit, uh, won the, uh, the spiral stakes. He was not nominated, but they did have to ante up 6000 before for midnight on Saturday. Um, also among the late nominees are um, uh, Sunrise Stables Giant Finish, who was third in the spiral for trainer Tony Dutrow, and then Undrafted, who was third in the grade three swell stakes, uh, will be there. Of course, he's owned by NFL League star Wes Welker and uh, trained by Wesley Ward. And uh, Al Stahl, duo of Claiborne Farm and Adele Dishinder's Departing, winner of the Texas Heritage at Sam Houston Park. And one more, Louisiana bred from the Alstall stable who won the Gentilly Stakes, and that is Sunbeam. So those are the, those are the, the major horses that uh, were supplemented to the Kentucky Derby. Of course, uh, if you wait much longer, you can pay much more if you feel like it uh, when it goes to, to the deadline. And, uh, best that you get in now. Uh, leaders in the point standings, uh, Will Charge, Vijack, Governor Charlie, Black Onyx now got 50 points, as does Orb, who we'll see race on, on Saturday. So um, those, are, those are the top horses right now for the Kentucky Derby. Let's take a look at some of the top horses for the Oaks as far as point systems considered. Beholder, Rose to Gold, Unlimited Budget, uh, Live Lively, he'll be racing over the weekend, uh, Midnight Luckily, and El Gayur and Silcita that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. So let's take a look now at, at the horses uh, that we handicapped last weekend. And we'll start with, with Sunland Park, the grade three, $800,000. Uh, the question is, uh, shaking it up, will he be able to get two turns? Well, he uh, wasn't able to get two turns, but uh, Bob Baffert has another horse that you got to watch out for. Governor Charlie, this son of Midnight Loot that Baffert also trained and owned with owner-breeder Mike Pegram, uh, went off the favorite. His third lifetime start, he had just broken his maiden at a mile at Santa Anita, and not only did he win the Sunland Derby, he got clear by five and set a new track record besting the old record by almost a full second. So Baffert is loaded for bear coming into the Kentucky Derby. Again, he was first by five. Long shot shows some magic, who wasn't even nominated the Triple Crown, a 27-1 to ran second. And then the other mystery horse in here, Abraham, uh, who's another one of the Pletcher trainees, Johnny Z, riding out at the Sunland. Uh, was uh, chased the pace for most of it and uh, came up a little bit short in third. And uh, while he did get some points for the Derby, we'll see what happens to Abraham in the near future. The most impressive horse that I saw all weekend long uh, was in a race <clears throat> that 
did not have points to the Kentucky Derby. His name, Crop Report. Team Valor purchased this horse over in Europe, as they have done so many times. Even though it's a Kentucky bred, made first two starts in Europe. Uh, they had some trouble getting the deal done. They got the deal done. Crop Report came over and ran in an optional claiming behind Black Onyx. Closed from far out of it. Well, Joel Rosario, he was in the saddle with this horse. And going by the first time, I mean, it looked like he was actually uh, pulling the horse up. And he wasn't. He was just taking crop report back. Now, this is a, a three-year-old son of Medaglia Dioro out of a crafty prospector mare. Down the backstretch, I thought he was 15 lengths out of it. The, the charts only say he was about nine, but he was so far back. And all of a sudden, Rosario, turning for home, started smooching to crop report. And this beautiful Good-looking big colt just got into gear. Rosario never even uncocked his whip, and he just flew by the rest of the field. So while he's probably a little bit late to get to the derby dance, remember you heard it here first, Crop Report will be the Belmont winner. I know I'm going out on a limb there, but I was very, very impressed. Okay, uh, the uh, the Bourbonette Oaks turned into a two-horse race, and Johnny V, with a Pletcher trainee, gets up by a nose, Silcita, and Silcita is owned by Eclipse Thoroughbred Partners. You may recall that a horse that won this race last year was in lingerie, and we had one of the owners on Winning Ponies, Marty Grunder. So Marty Grunder, he's back in the driver's seat with a horse that looks a lot like in lingerie, who uh, has gone on to be uh, an outstanding grade one winner, and she's being bred to Frankel as we speak. But Silcita got up by a nose over Marathon Lady. They were three lengths in front of the odds-on favorite, Pure Fun, Kenny McPeak's trainee, who was coming in off a layoff, after the win in the grade one Hollywood starlet. And then, of course, the uh, Horseshoe Casino Cincinnati Racing Spiral Stakes. It was Black Onyx punching his ticket to the Kentucky Derby. Trainer Kelly Breen already has him stable down at uh, Churchill Downs. He's the first of the top nominees stabled there at Churchill. Uh, very nice uh, ride by Joe Bravo, who was uh, just a... Uh, Fun to watch in the winter circle when he came back. Had, had a great time, uh, you know, egging on the owners. And he's like, we're going to the Derby. Black Onyx was led away at 15-1. to one. A second in there was a 7-2 second favorite, Uncaptured, uh, who, you know, had been working out really nice up until this race. Had not been out since the Kentucky Jockey Club that he won. Uh, Uncaptured got points. I would look for this horse uh, to probably be back in, in – um, another derby point race soon the uh, slight favorite was my name is michael just didn't fire ended up running seventh third was giant finish who i stated earlier has since uh, impressed his owners so much that they decided to plunk down the six thousand dollars to get him nominated to the kentucky derby all right that's a look at what happened last week and names in the news Coming up next from New Vocations, it's going to be Anna Ford, the program director, and that it is in charge of both the Thoroughbred Division and the Adoption Office. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
passionate flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, well, uh, you know, it, it, it's the ponies that give us our pleasure and I think it's uh, the owners, trainers, and, and fans' responsibility to some extent to make sure that, that they have a good life when their days at the races uh, are over. Uh, we always, uh, when I go back, certainly the people I've been associated with uh, in, over the years make sure that their horses probably get more care than themselves. <laughs> they take great, great care of the horses, but sooner or later, all athletes uh, get a little wear and tear and uh, Hopefully they, they, they find a good home. Well, in, in this case, we found uh, one fantastic uh, charity uh, called New Vocations. It's a racehorse adoption program. And, and with us right now is the program director, Anna Ford. Anna, how are you today? Good. Very good. Um, Anna, uh, I know that I'm talking to the right person as far as New Vocations is concerned uh, because you are actually – a second-generation operator of the facility. Can you tell me about this? I just found out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny because you're not the only person that's asked, so how, how long have you been with New Vocations? And I tell them, well, from the very beginning, um, 1992, my mom actually, Scott Morgan, started the program. And um, not to give my age away, but I was 14 at the time. And so um, I was there from the very, very beginning and was actually um, the – the person at 14 years old, believe it or not, uh, the person that would ride all the thoroughbreds when they came to our farm. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely been a family um, program. Uh, my dad's a fifth generation standard bread trainer, and um, I've kind of gone on the, the dark side going to the thoroughbred. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey we're looking at the other way. 
Yeah, I know. I, I feel that way too. But um, but yeah, we're we're t- continuing on the tradition of being in horse racing, just um, with the thoroughbred side. And my sister's also um, works for the program as well. There's there's uh, I just have one sister, and we're both in it. So the three of us uh, run the day to day operations. Well, I, I want to uh, encourage our listeners to uh, to go. Uh, to your website, obviously e- easy to get to. It, it's it's a great website and, and it features uh, a picture of uh, you know a lot of the horses that are available and it tells about the success stories and uh, you know if anybody was thinking about uh, buying a horse or adopting a horse, I would definitely suggest that they that they go, they go through your program. Uh, but in addition to your website, I came across some uh, some interesting information from. Uh, Hollywood Casino at Penn National Racetrack, they're actually uh, featuring uh, your babies on their in-house television set. How did this come about? <laughs> um, you know, I believe it was, uh, I know Dan Silver, you know, had a, a great uh, influence on that. It was also the, um, the horseman's group there, the PA, HBPA, um, were just looking for ways to, to try to market the horses. Um, you know, our, our website gets I don't know, about 50,000 hits a week. So we're getting a lot of hits, but you can never over-market in, this in, you know, in the industry of trying to find these horses' homes. So, um, so together they came up with the idea of putting um, you know, these ads uh, of horses that we currently have in the, in the program that are available for adoption and, and putting their picture and a, a quick bio of them up on the simulcast there at Penn National. And um, you know, they feature a different horse basically every week. Well, I, I just think it would be really neat for you know the entire industry uh, to get behind this. Obviously, there's there's times when you're coming to the track and you're killing a little time, and there's nothing up there but uh, you know uh, the early ads and things like that. And I, I know we get a lot of people in the industry that listen to this show, so I encourage them to to contact you. I see no reason why it couldn't be a regional thing uh, to try to get it up to to some of the some of the other racetracks. Now, Anna, if you would for me, there's probably no typical story, but connect the dots. Um, if, for whatever reason, an owner doesn't have enough, uh, you know, money or the ability to, uh, to to keep a horse after it's uh, lived its life on a racetrack, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, and, and what happens when the horses do get to new vocations? Sure. Uh, well. Basically, if anyone's interested in, in donating a horse to our program or learning more about the program, our website's the best um, way to reach us. And, and um, the website's newvocations.org. And, um, you know, most of the time um, we have several offices. I mean, they can their numbers are all up there, but I typically get the calls most of the time. My number's being passed around on the back stretch um, from, you know, different trainers and owners that, have sent horses to us throughout the years, um, but yeah, we we basically you know we we take in calls on a daily basis from people that are looking to find places um, for their for their horses when they when they need to retire them. And um, basically, on our website, there's a donate donor form that they have to fill out to kind of enter their horse into the program to see to give us the information to see if it fits our our criteria. We are an adoption program, not a retirement facility, so. Uh-huh. You know, we focus on the horses that can go on to be um, useful in a riding career. And um, and so, you know, unfortunately, we don't have unlimited funding or space to just retire all of them to the pasture. 
Um, so we do, you know, try to make sure that every horse that comes through is, is going to be a horse that is going to be usable. Uh, but it's fairly simple, you know. Uh, they fill out the form and they contact us and then we get back with them on, um, you know, when we can take the horse, if the horse qualifies, and when we can take the horse at one of our uh, for thoroughbreds. We have three facilities for the thoroughbreds. Now, uh, you, you must have a, a very qualified staff working with you because, as we all know, a, a thoroughbred pretty much from the time it's uh, late in its yearling year, it, it's, it's, it's trained to run. And 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 it lives kind of a confined life, and then when it's on the track, it's it's go baby go. Um, what is it you do to kind of change their their mindset? The fact that every time a rider's on their back, it's that's for a morning workout or or an afternoon race. Yeah, well, it is a, definitely a transition, um, but we we find the unique thing about the thoroughbreds is that obviously they're used to having a job, so. Um, that's why, you know, if, if they're physically able to continue on with a second career, they're much happier because, um, they're, you know, they're used to having that hands-on, you know, uh, person there every day doing something with them and them having a job. So the first thing that we do when they arrive to one of our facilities is um, we get them used to being turned out and, um, you know, realistically, they're, they're really only used to being out of their stall one to two hours a day. So that alone is a new experience for them, and it's kind of funny. You would think that, you know, they want to be outside eating green grass and all that kind of stuff, but really their first instinct is, you know, I want to go back in my stall. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, we get them used to the great outdoors, always, as we would say, and some of them would adapt quickly and then others, especially in the summer when the flies are horrible, they just think they're melting outside. But we get them adapt to being outside. We Setting them up with another horse, and that makes a huge difference. I mean, most of them have not been able, they've been around other horses, obviously, for years, um, but they aren't normally able to really freely touch other horses. So uh, that's a new experience for them, but we normally put them out with another horse that's been there, done that, um, can show them the ropes, show them where to drink out of the water troughs, um, show them, you know, that we can't eat grass all day, it's okay. And um, so that turnout alone really does help them transition from being that kind of tightly wound athlete to a more relaxed lifestyle. Um, And actually, we find that if we do it properly and we give them the right amount of time, um, most of them, when we go to ride them, I'd say at least half of them end up being lazy. (laughs) So, and they know, it's like the, the, the switch has been flipped that, you know, they're not at the track. They're at some place completely different, um, and it's new. And sometimes, if anything, they're excited because it's new or nervous, but they're not really that instinct to run and just really, you know, work uh, or gallop is not is not always a problem, as you would think, you know. So, um, but that's one of the first stages that we do, and then we, you know, we start working with them under saddle, and and um, we try to keep them back in in a routine because they're used to having a routine it's just mm-hmm. a different routine so we try to keep things similar um we don't just kick them out and not let them in you know they're out for an hour they're out for two hours the next day three hours and we slowly increase that they always have their stall at night or in in the summer and you know during the hottest part of the day um and they they do transition fairly well that way well, you've obviously done a fantastic job because you've placed close to 5,000 
uh, retired racehorses since the inception of new vocations in 1992. Obviously, it cost a lot of money to uh, to run your operation. I did want to get a plug-in for you before we go on Thoroughbreds for All. It's uh, April 26th at West Wind Farm uh, down in Lexington, Kentucky. There'll probably be a lot of people down there at Keeneland. Uh, and anyhow, and I know that the Hall of Famer Chris McCarron will be there, very accessible for any of our listeners that like to, to meet Chris. He's, the, he's one of the greatest guys I've met. And uh, you get the tickets include a, a tour of Three Chimneys Farm, uh, and that's going to be April 26th. And you're going to be there kind of helping coordinate the event, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, our whole staff will be down there. And it's a great event. Philip Dutton's coming, who's an Olympic uh, eventer. And uh, it's basically going to be a a nice evening of dinner and some uh, clinic-style teaching about, you know, how to work with these horses. And Chris is going to talk about what they do at the track, and Phil Dutton is going to talk about, you know, what they do, how he works with them to get them from off the track to, you know, up to the Olympic level of what he's done with them in um, eventing world. So it's a real fun night, and Westwind Farm is where we actually have our Lexington New Vocations, uh, where we keep those horses. So... Um, we'll have 15, 20 horses down there on, on display that evening, too. Well, that is just fantastic. Well, Anna, I'm uh, coming to the bottom of the hour. Again, we're talking with Anna Ford from New Vocations. I'll tell you what, folks, it's a great website, very easy to navigate, and you can find out about the program, and you might find out that uh, there's a horse out there waiting for you or your son or your daughter. Uh, it would be uh, just a, a fantastic thing to add to that 5,000 number of horses that uh, they've been able to uh uh, to change their their careers, uh, Anna. You do a fantastic job. Uh, remind me as we get closer to the 26th. I definitely want to get our listeners because I know again a lot of people will be in town for for Keeneland. I'd like them to show up to your event. Sure, sure. Well, thanks for having me. All right, that's Anna Ford from New Vocations, and coming up with us just in a minute will be Michael Baychak, one of the top handicappers in the United States. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. 
This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, welcome back. Looking forward to this segment uh, with uh, Michael Baychak. I th- you know, we've had a lot of Eclipse Award winners on the show here at Winning Ponies, but this is the first time I've got an Eclipse Award winner who's just a handicapper. I kind of like that uh, an awful lot, and I'm glad that they changed that as, as part of the award uh, for uh, winning the NTRA DRF handicapping contest. But, you know, we, we just spoke uh, with, with Anna Ford, and we know the great work that, that she's doing. And uh, my friend Bill Finley uh, wrote a story called A Million Dollar Heart, and the subject there was, was Michael Bajak. And, uh, Michael, welcome to Winning Ponies. Uh, before I get going, bend it back about your introduction to racing and handicapping, uh, you've you got you to tell us about how the contest ended where you won a million and what you did with some of that million after it was over. Well, thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. Like, uh, I, I don't tire of anybody uh, introducing me as an Eclipse Award winner. That's kind of the, the, the coolest part of this whole thing, really. <laughs> so um, thanks for that. So um, yeah, I'm the immediate past champion. I won it the uh, title in 2012, January 2012. And um, if anybody's not familiar with the format, I'll just go over it briefly. It's, a, it's two days. You bet. Uh, 30 races, $2 to win in place, and uh, it always comes down to, at least over the past few years, it's come down to, you know, a race at Santa Anita or a race late in the day at Golden Gate, and as it happened in my case, it was the the very last race of the contest that you could wager on. It was the last race at Golden Gate on a Saturday, uh, $8,000 maiden claimers, oh. um, and I was um, I was about... Uh, $11 behind the the leader. So I needed to not only pick the winner, but I also needed to pick a horse. I had to have the winner that paid more than three to one. So I settled on a horse called Glorious Dancer. uh, And miraculously, um, if you've watched the race or uh, if you ever watched uh, any races at Golden Gate, you may know that in a six furlong race, if you break last, you can pretty much just eliminate that horse from contention and that's exactly what she did she broke really bad she broke last but then she just got on a roll and she just kept charging and charging and it's not one of these moves we were talking offline about crop report it's not a crop report type move where they <laughs> circle it's just kind of a grinding grinding move and at the very last jump at the wire she got up and won by a nose and she paid uh 
you know, $12 and saw won the, the contest by a dollar. Well, all I can say is that you kind of did a pay forward on what Glorious Dancer did for you. Yeah, so, you know, um, I, uh, I really wanted to do something for, for the horse. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to claim her early on, and she was running back for 12500 12, and she lost, and some of my friends and my wife talked me out of that. And then she ran again uh, for they dropped her down to six thousand two fifty. Now that's about almost bottom of the barrel at Golden Gate. And you know we don't want to think about where horses go when they get to that level or when they can't win at that level. But you know there aren't too many places you can go from Golden Gate bottom claimers. I mean you you know we can hope that she's turned out somewhere and somebody takes care of her. But there are other places that these horses end up. And I just really. That was my concern was I really just didn't want her to end up in a place like, um, you know, we all, you know, Ferdinand ended up. And, and if Ferdinand could end up in a, in a you know, a bad slaughterhouse, then certainly, you know, Glorious Dancer could. So I claimed her. My trainer um, out there was Steve Sherman, who's just a fantastic guy. Um, and, you know, we actually ran her a few times, and she won for us, and she ran second. And she came up with just a little bit of a uh, – just a little bit of a nick, you know, an injury. And I just decided at that point that, you know, she had done all that she needed to do. And I brought her back to Louisiana. And with the intention of maybe breeding her, maybe giving her a rest and running her. And then I just finally came to the conclusion that, again, she had just done every, she'd done everything she could. She had made my life, you know, so much better that it, the least I could do was just to give her the best life that she could possibly have. And hopefully she lived out a long life and enjoyed it. So I gave her to uh, Louisiana Horse Rescue, uh, which is a you know Louisiana um, horse rescue uh, operation, and they have found her a wonderful uh, home. Uh, she was adopted by uh, a, a, a young neurosurgeon who has just what I think is nirvana for horses. She's got a wonderful paddock with trees and fields, and she gets lots of attention and. <laughs> Uh, they're going to train her as a jumper, and she's, uh, you know, hopefully she's going to live out a long, happy, prosperous uh, life, you know. And I think that's, uh, I can't, you know, you can't change, you can't save every horse, but, you know, this was one that, you know, I had to do something for. Well, Michael, it's just a, it's a fantastic story, it really is, and my my hats off to you because, and, you know, your statements and anybody that would really like to. Find out a little bit more about you and how you feel. I, I advise that they go to the NTRA site. They've still got the video post up there of you receiving your Eclipse Award. And, you know, some of the things you said about the, the way that uh, it changed the way you think about horse racing and you feel that maybe more of us need to become more involved and responsible. Hey, yeah, no, you hit a nice pick six. Throw 10% to new vocations or somebody, you yeah. know, because, you know, without these or these horses were running their guts out for us, we wouldn't be cashing a ticket at the window. So Exactly. I think uh, just to close, you know, I think on that, I think we take them for granted. I know I sure did. You know, I take these horses who put their – they give us everything they got every time they step on the track, you know, and we don't give them enough respect for for, for those efforts. and. Uh, so yeah, the next time someone hits some big, you know, lick and a nice exacta, hey, throw throw twenty bucks to, you know, your favorite, your local horse rescue or horse adoption uh, uh, association. It, it's gonna it's gonna make a big big difference. 
Well, hopefully we can get some people on some of those uh, those big races, and then let, let's uh, uh, let's take a look at, at some of the races that are coming up this week. But before we do that, real quick, um, everybody's got a different path that they took to becoming a, a, a horse player. Uh, can, can you give me a thumbnail sketch of yours? Well, I came by it uh, completely by accident. Um, my uh, uh, I was a young kid, 13, 12, 13, 14 years old, not really sure how old I was. And uh, my father had an associate in his firm. He was a lawyer, had an associate in his firm, um, and he would tell this young associate on occasion, on the weekends, hey, would you just, uh, you know, watch Michael? i got to go, you know, work on this deposition, or i got to go do this or that. So one Saturday, this young associate says, okay, look, I'm going to the track. Uh, Is it okay if I take him? And, And he did, and he took me to the track, and... That was, you know, that was just, uh, as most of us, you know, the first time I got there and saw horses and knew that you could actually, you know, bet on them, and it was so competitive, I was hooked. Now, the the, the hook to the story is that young associate's uh, name was James Carville, who I'm sure <laughs> maybe a lot of your listeners may have heard of. And, uh, you know, he and I ended up going to the track many, many times and still, you know, he's moved back to New Orleans, and we, we, uh, we go to the track all the time. And his he was one of the first first phone calls that I got right after I won the championship. So I know, uh, I know. I w- and many times over the years, I tell this story. Many times over the years, I've cursed him for for introducing me to horse racing because you know, as you know, it can just really be such a it can be an up and down uh, existence. But uh, on that particular day, I was so happy that he had uh, he had found the time just to bring me in to the track and introduce me to horse racing. I'm guessing that's the fairgrounds, the place where I used to be the publicity director, and a place that's unlike any other track you'll go to in the United States. The first place I went was the fairgrounds, yeah. That's right. And I'll be well, there Saturday. Can't wait for the derby. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's uh, you know, we're, we're tapping into one of the best handicappers in the country, or he wouldn't have been holding that million-dollar check uh, over a year ago. Uh, let's take a look at, at, at the fairgrounds. Uh, we'll do we'll do the Oaks and the Louisiana Derby. Um, I, I, I guess uh, as far as the Oaks is concerned, and, and my uh, humble handicapping, this race has to go through unlimited budget. Yeah, for sure. You know, the Oaks uh, has, is really overlooked as a uh, prep race for, for the Kentucky Oaks, I think, over the past, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. I think we have got five or six winners of this of this race that go on to win the uh, the Kentucky Oaks. Absolutely. So, yeah, so, um, you know, we're, we could be looking uh, at the winner of the Kentucky Oaks coming out of this race. The, uh, you know, the Florida Oaks or whatever they call it these days, the Gulfstream Oaks, has certainly come up tough, too, but... I mean, this race is uh, one of the premier prep races for the Kentucky Oaks, and this year is is no different. And um, as you said, unlimited budget. Who's uh, you know a Todd Pletcher ran the way everybody thought she was going to run the first time out, and uh, this year, and she's going to be really, really tough to beat. Those Todd Pletcher horses, they, you know, they'll tend to run very fast their first couple races off a layoff, and then you know you kind of got to take a different look at them, but. The track at the fairgrounds can be a little tricky as well, and I'm I'm really betting on her, and that's who you're picking. You should be glad that she's got a race over the track because sometimes horses just don't handle that track first time out. But there's no doubt that she's the horse to beat. Um, Another interesting horse to me is uh, the Anthony Dutcher horse, So Many Ways. Um, this horse was really fast last year as a two-year-old. Uh, she, you know, won the spin away. She was undefeated, and then she threw a real clunker. 
in her first race out at Gulfstream. And I'm thinking maybe she didn't like the track because, you know, she's been working just as well. I know that Dutro, I don't know this as a fact, but it, I, my experience with him would says that he would he would back off on a horse if he really thought there was, you know, a, a real physical problem. Mm-hmm. And he's, he hadn't, he didn't, and now he's bringing her here to uh, – to the oak, so she could be controlling speed. She could be the speed here, and I think at a long shot, a little bit of a price. I think that's probably where I'll end up. Uh, you know, I'm not a big uh, favorite better um, at all. Uh, the Mott Horse ran into the, the Mott Horse Flashy Gray ran into a you know a really nice filly Rose to Gold last out, and the track probably played against her a little bit. So she might be a price, too, but there's nothing wrong with flashy gray either. But I think the race probably goes uh, – I think it probably goes between those three horses. And I'm going to probably end up with so many ways because I'm, I'm thinking she might be 6, 8 to 1, something like that. And she's going to have the lead, uh, and, and I'll you know, see if they can catch me. Well, uh, just uh, along the lines, your historical perspective was absolutely correct. Let me do a little bit of name dropping here. Uh, not only horses that went on to do well, but are doing pretty damn well as broodmares. Uh, Silver Bullet Day, Take Charge Lady, a Shado, Proud Spell, and of course Rachel Alexander won this race back in 2009. So you're right. This is a race that definitely can have an impact on the Kentucky Oaks. Well, the Louisiana Derby, we'll see if that can have an impact on the on the Kentucky Derby. Uh, boy, w- with the new uh, point system, nobody can duck anybody anymore, especially this time of the year. This has drawn together a pretty uh, impressive uh, crowd. The horse that, that pops off the paper to me just from a visual win was revolutionary because I thought the Withers was awesome. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when you see the uh, the withers and you watch it, you just you go wow, right? I mean, that's what a Derby winner looks like. You know, uh, forget the time; uh, it was a little bit. You know, his speed figures were just a little bit slower than his previous race, but I mean, you can uh, you can account for that just by all the traffic and just the the the, the way he ran the race. So, you know, as as the Oaks has become a, a really predictive prep for the Kentucky Oaks. The Derby is n- really not a very good predictive prep <laughs> no, for no. the Derby because I-, I think the last winner might have been Grindstone, and he never won another race after the Derby. So You are correct, sir. Um, you know, I don't know. Hopefully this is, this is a different year. I can say just from my experience, this is the saltiest group of three-year-olds that has ever run at the fairgrounds uh, together. I mean, there are some serious racehorses in here. This is a very, very competitive race. I would not talk anybody uh, off of any horse, and I really don't have a real strong opinion. I'm going to let the odds kind of, you know, dictate who I'm going to bet. I do know a couple things. One, uh, I know that Al Stahl Jr. is very, very high on departing. Uh, he, you know, he needs to take just another little t- step forward. Uh, but if he does, he's going to be super competitive in here. And note that um, he's not raced. This horse is, does not race on Lasix, um, right. and that's not going to change before the Derby. So, you know, I, that, that, I don't know whether that's a positive. I don't know whether it's a negative. It's just a fact, and uh, that Seth Hancock is not going to race his horses on Lasix. So, um, I know that Al probably would be happy if he did, but he doesn't. So, but Departing looks like a real racehorse. My 
preliminary derby pick earlier in the year, and I'm still sticking with it. It's Code West, who I loved um, his last race. Pardon me. I loved his last race. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think he, you know, it looked kind of uh, goofy, but he he responded when he needed to. He had almost like a second gear in the middle of the stretch. He never saw the horse on the outside, so um, you know maybe he could have beat the horse or not. But I just love the way that as it looks like as the distances get further, he's just going to get better. And he to me from from speed figures alone, his pattern. He looks like he's sitting on his best race of his career, and he should move forward. Um, so I think he's going to be really tough. He's got the race again over the track, which is very important, I think, for these um, these horses. And again, I mean, I could make a case for almost anybody in the race. Revolutionary is just, that was such a visually impressive race. Um, Interestingly, the, the, on the thoroughgraphs, I don't know if you ever look at them or check them out, but on occasion, yes. Um, Sunbeam, the, the Louisiana bred, the other Alstall, that last race was really one of the fastest thoroughgraph figure races of of the bunch. So if he can reproduce it, now he's going to be very long odds. I think there's one other horse that I'm interested in, and that I'll probably use uh, maybe even on top, and that's Palace Malice. Um, he also had a sneaky good race. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't break very alertly at all, uh, and he just steadily rallied and just missed to the rest of them, and that was his second race of the year. And apparently he's been or he outworked Shanghai Bobby uh, last time out, so he might just be getting a little bit better. And, uh, of course, he's bred to run all day. So he might get overlooked again as Todd Pletcher. But um, I think Palace Malice, you know, Code West – it may be a little departing. I mean, I'm really, again, I, I don't have a strong opinion, but I'm sure I'll, I'll bet a strong amount of money regardless. Well, just to co-sign uh, two of the horses that, that, that you mentioned, uh, both of the Al Stahl uh, trainees, they plunked down before midnight on Saturday $6,000 each to get them Triple Crown nominated. So, obviously, Al and the owners uh, believe in those two. So, you'll be at the fairgrounds. You're, you're going to have a great day. i got a feeling uh, people down at Gulfstream Park are going to have a, a great day, too. And I've only got, probably got about uh, six minutes or so left in this segment. So, uh, I'm going to put the Oaks on the back burner because I really want to hear, again, we're, uh, we're talking uh, with, with Michael Baychak, uh, top handicapper in the country, um, the Bessaloo Stables Florida Derby. This uh, brings together an interesting group. Again, you, you, you talk about visually impressive, as we did with Revolutionary. Uh, I thought Shug McGahee's orb put in a great race in the Fountain of Youth. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, just generally speaking, I think visually, visually looking at horses, three-year-olds, in this stage of their career is much more important than how fast they run. You know, Verrazano has certainly run really, really fast. Um, but to my eye, he's just not – I mean, I've been more impressed with other horses. He, he's, I don't know that he really liked being behind a horse in the Tampa Bay Derby. I'm just not sold on him yet, and he'll probably win the Triple Crown, which would be great for us. But a horse that I was sold on and who was visually impressive to me was the horse you mentioned, which is Orb. So, And there's another horse in here, which I'll get to, which also visually impressed me. I think 
Or I heard a lot of people say, well, he benefited from a great pace setup. But, you know, I mean, he had to – they ran fast early. He caught the, the leaders. He went by, and he just did it, you know, night, real nicely. I mean, that's all I could say. And I, I, don't, I know for sure Shug McGay, he's not turned the screws all the way up on him. So there's probably some more in the tank here. Um, there's no – there's no reason why he shouldn't get another nice pace set up in here um, uh, Saturday. And I just – I really think he's going to be uh, a factor. Uh, and I think there's one other horse in my mind that's going to be a factor. And, if you again, looking visually, if you've seen his last couple races, It's My Lucky Day is a real fast racehorse. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he absolutely destroyed – I mean, Beat him by two lengths, but he beat him badly by two lengths, Shanghai Bobby. The horse that ran third in that race by 11 came back to win a state, clearly now. Um, So you know that that race was legit. I'm glad they gave him some time off. Uh, He probably needed it. Um, But, that you know, the race goes to me between either it's my lucky day or, or, I I mean, I I would make – I think that's a a strong opinion. I I don't see Shanghai Bobby making the – making the exact to here. So there might be some value there because Shanghai Bobby might end up being the favorite. But, um, uh, you know, I think it's between those two horses. I think they'll battle it out to the end. Well, I'm, I must have a hidden camera in here. There's only two horses I have stars by, and, and it's those two. And just, uh, again, to, to co-sign what you said about Suge McGahee, you know, Suge is not the kind of guy that, uh, that, that wakes up every January and says, gee, do I have a derby horse in the barn? It's really not a concern. Uh, to Shug McGee. He hasn't had that many derby horses, not because he doesn't have good ones. It's because he, he is patient and cautious with his horses, and he doesn't feel the necessity to wind them up for the first Saturday in May. So I, I think, yeah, Orb takes takes a second looking. You well, know, when, if you go I, back, you're, I'm, I'm just re-looking at it now. Orb in his maiden race, in, in his last race in 2012, he beat uh, Freedom Child, who has since come back and run what I thought was one of the top five maiden winning races of the year uh and i expect we'll hear a lot from freedom child in the summer and he also beat a horse called revolutionary right so, nice uh, horse. you know <laughs> this horse is legit and he was legit last year and he's i mean he's definitely a threat not only to win saturday but he's a threat this horse is a top three threat to win the kentucky derby there's no doubt about it well michael i hate to say that we're running out of time so i'm going to you know, put your heels to the field. They're telling me I got a, a minute left uh, in the Gulfstream Park Oaks. Is, is this a, a repeat of, of the Devana Dale? And will Dreaming of Julia benefit from the added distance? Well, I mean, it could be. Uh, you know, anytime a horse like Live Lively gets out and, and runs them off their feet like that, uh, I mean, that was kind of a freaky performance. And uh, you know, she could certainly do that. I think though that the jockeys might be just a little. Uh, more informed about it. I don't know that anybody's going to let her get that easy of a lead. Uh, I can't see Johnny V letting her, you know, not easy, but just letting her get on the lead like that uncontested. Well, we will we will find out. And, again, my producer is pointing at me and telling me I've got to go. Michael, thanks so much for being on the show. You were fantastic. Uh, perhaps I can reach back into your knowledge uh, someday uh, again. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, I'd love to get on any time. And, look, if people need, want some more information, I do have a website, baychockracing.com. There's opinions, thoughts, videos, training, all kind of stuff on there. There, baychockracing.com. 
Great. Thanks a lot. Michael right. Bajak with us on Winning Ponies. Also, Anna Ford, don't forget to go to Winning Ponies website to get all your information, news, and handicapping tips of the day. We'll see you. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.